0: At LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void rope prohibited by law.
2: 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Beckton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Mackay Beckton did.
3: Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. Oh, you know that's, that's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank
1: you. From the play like a jet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one. And the Jets have an off day today, so we're going to answer some of your training camp questions with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang. Over at JetsInsider.com and above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Chris, we've got the green and white scrimmage coming up tomorrow. But in the meantime, we've got a lot of people that have questions about what's been going on at training camp. And the first one, I wish I could find who sent this in because I saw it tweeted, but I can't find the actual tweet. But somebody wanted to know how you would compare how Zach Wilson has done thus far in training camp to what Sam Darnold had done thus far in training camp back in 2018? That's an awesome question. I'd love to hear your answer.
3: It's it's tricky because, obviously, thinking about long ago and trying to think about where Darnold was, you know, after seven practices or whatever, six practices, it's hard for me to differentiate that as to just the full body of work that I've seen from Darnold. But I would say that, Zach Wilson is is a little bit is ahead of uh, Darnold on consistency. Um, You know, both have been were up and down. I think that Zach Wilson has done a better job more consistently, though. There was, uh, you know, they talked about this a lot about you know we're we're hearing this now with Zach Wilson about not making the same mistakes twice, and we heard that constantly with Darnold but it didn't match up on the field. You would see uh, like just a string of mistakes sometimes. They would compound, they would pile up, and then maybe he'd shake it off and rebound for a really good pass, but then he could slip right back into it. And then the other part of it where I think Zach Wilson gets the edge, the a much bigger edge here is, is just in the tiny little details, just the fact that he's he's throwing with such good placement and like throwing away and high when it needs to be away and high, and throwing a low when it needs to be low. Just he he's able to identify things. It's it seems like you know maybe the training camp is moving a little slower for Zach Wilson than it was for Sam Darnold. They can they could both like were equally capable at just making, uh, you know, on any given throw, a throw that would just drop our jaws and be like, oh, yeah, okay, get us get excited. And I think there was – Darnold was able to do enough of those throughout, you know, his first uh, rookie year of camp and everything that we were more willing to look over some of the m- more mistakes that were piling up on top of each other. But that applies here to a much lesser degree, though, because even, uh, you know, again, I'll just completely throw that first day out because he was just late on everything and, uh, you know, was just having to readjust to uh, the speed of training camp. But since then, there's you know, there's definitely been some mistakes, but you can see and understand the mistakes and then he can bounce right back. Um so yeah i think just the main thing though is the details the way that uh zach wilson maneuvers uh, maneuvers around inside the pocket the way he confidently can step up into the pocket and throw and then this is also another big thing is he has a quicker trigger finger than than darnold he's he's ready to get rid of the ball more than darnold darnold Big problem with him was he was holding on to the ball too long. Now, to be fair, he Zach Wilson also has more uh, talent to work with and more weapons to work with. So maybe he trusts the weapons a little bit more and he's willing to uh, throw out these passes when Elijah Moore is uh, is just completely blanketed. So I think there's a bunch of little things, but uh, the, the the placement of the ball – the way he moves around in the pocket and uh he, he gets rid of the ball quicker than Darnold. And even when he feels pressure, he he'll like he'll identify the pressure and he'll bail and roll out or step up into the pocket and get rid of it. He's not looking to like dance around to buy a whole lot of extra time when he needs to do that. He's looking to flush out the pocket so he can just plant his feet and throw it.
2: Chmba dot com plus Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. play like a jet.
1: Next question comes in from busy. He says, have there been any plays that stood out to you at camp so far that were comically bad?
3: Well, uh, you you should have asked this question a little bit later. like you, you have to space this out you put it right after me just talking about zach wilson saying good things and then my brain's gonna immediately <laughs> go to the interception that he threw yesterday uh, i talked about this on the pod uh we were watching from the upper potty patio and i could before he even threw it i was like oh this is going to be an interception um so so there's that um you know, I I can definitely think of some in the past. I, there's definitely been a lot of them. Uh, I mean, the the only other thing that's coming to mind once was uh, Lamarcus Jordan got burnt really bad, he got his feet uh, just completely crossed up. But it also, you know, part slippage on on the field there. So I don't I don't know if it, you know, necessarily qualifies as comically bad. But in the moment, it could have looked it. Um, I'll put it this way: if that happens to him in the game, he's getting roasted. Um, like Twitter is going to be absolutely merciful, no matter uh, the reason behind it. Um, but yeah, th- this has been one of the things about this camp is you know I, I know we're going to get questions about how good do these young players look and the underrated radar guys. Uh, but one thing that's kind of jumped out to me is. There's not a lot of people, I'm not seeing a lot of people out on this field where I'm just like, this guy doesn't belong, where that, you know, that has happened in the years past, constantly, a lot. There's, I'm watching and I'm just like, yeah, this guy, I don't know what he's doing here. He's got no shot at making a roster. And even, uh, you know, we're talking about some players at the bottom of the depth chart that have. A bunch of talented players leap over. I'm like, okay, you're you're not going to make the roster, but I'm not looking at it like you don't belong.
1: Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He says, Chris, you've been covering the team for over a decade. Have you ever seen a rookie light up training camp like this, the way Elijah Moore has? Why do you think he dropped to the second round? Also, the Jets have four picks in the first two rounds. Do you think that they're going to take another big-time playmaker to put opposite Elijah Moore? Chris, what do you think about Elijah Moore? Have you ever seen a rookie light up camp like this?
3: Not, no, not, not nothing, nothing even close. Um, not, not even uh, like within the same distant area, code, state, country, planet. Like nothing even close. Uh. Especially if if I just want to talk about receiver, like the closest you can get is the way that Robbie Anderson closed out training camp. But anybody that can remember that, uh, like Jalen Marshall was kind of the, the one that was grabbing attention early in that camp. And I remember looking at Robbie and like, man, this guy is fast, but look at how skinny those legs are. Like he's going to like legs are going to snap just like cutting or something. And it's, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, the way that Robbie Anderson has held up and doesn't have uh, very many injuries and how strong he is considering how uh, skinny and thin that frame is, but you know, he had a really impressive close to camp. Um, uh, but also, it, you know, he, he came in with no expectations. So for him to impress, there's a, that's a much lower bar to clear than what Elijah Moore had to do. Elijah Moore came in here with expectations. I, I expect Elijah Moore to be good. Um, if Elijah Moore was just performing at the same level that Robbie Anderson did the close camp, it wouldn't be nearly as impressive. It, it's super impressive because I had high expectations for him. Um, and right off the bat, he can't, he's coming in and he's, he's just doing it. Um, as far as why did he drop so far? I mean, it's really hard to, I, I talk about this in the draft all the time when it comes to receivers, teams value or look for different things in receivers. And part of it, is based on their system, their quarterback, and the rest of the receiving group. <clears throat> you, sometimes you want the taller, uh, more typical, prototypical outside receiver, uh, you know, catch-to-jump balls things. And it's really, all, like, as great as Elijah Moore looks and as great as he, I do think he's going to be, you're not going to see me knocking any teams for taking Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, I remember Rashad Bateman over him. Like, the, those names, yeah, I totally understand why they got drafted ahead of him. Um, it doesn't mean that they're going to all be better than him. It doesn't mean that Moore can't be better than all of them. But when you're looking at the draft and you're looking at the player and the profile, they're typically going to tread more to those types of guys. Another thing is I do think that you would think that NFL teams and evaluators and scouts shouldn't be looking at it like this. But I do think that there's going to be some teams, some scouts who kind of pigeonholed Elijah as a slot guy because he was in the slot so much in college. And that's basically what they used him. that they were looking at it. Like he's a slot guy gadget player. And that's just bad scouting from them. Uh, That's why the jets, uh, Salah and Lafleur have been clear, like no, we saw this. Just because they didn't do it on in uh, Ole Miss doesn't mean that he they didn't know this. He's capable of this, and he didn't have it because you can watch the tape. Go ahead, throw on it, any game from Ole Miss where he's playing, and you can see he's capable was capable of doing more than that. So I think that's all of that combined is the reason why he dropped. But again, I totally understand why. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Smith; those guys are are getting picked ahead of him. Kadarius Tony w- was the one that was a little bit of a head scratcher, and I like Tony a lot in, in the right circumstance. And I don't think that the Giants were the right circumstance. I think he he needs a lot more work than Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore would have been a much better pick there.
1: Next question comes in from Thomas Arnone. He says, "Let's talk special teams." Is anyone separating so far as a punt-kick returner? Also, do you think there's a realistic chance that either Nagar or Amendola stick as the kicker once the season begins?
3: Well, I'll do the second one first. There has to be a realistic chance one of them sticks just because I don't know where the other guy is. Um, So if, if one of them performs admirably enough during the preseason then they're going to stick. Um I don't necessarily have huge confidence that's going to happen, but I also am not sitting here saying no way that's going to happen. Part of me uh, also full disclosure here, I seem to get the kicker position wrong like almost every year in training camp. And almost every year there's a couple kickers in there and I fall in love with the the one with the biggest leg and then that guy ends up not making the roster. So I'm going to say right now I would give him a little bit of the advantage there just because of the cannon I've seen in his leg. And it, and it does seem from the very, very little bit that I've seen. Cause you know, I've only seen a, a handful of kicks from him. It, the accuracy is there at least enough. It's, it's not just a boot that has no accuracy on it. So because of that, I'll give him the little bit of advantage, but also we, we see how the kicker position has gone. They, they rode out with Sam thicken for a while. So if they did that, I can see that, that them rolling out with one of these guys here. As far as the rest of special teams and the punt return, I really can't say because they're they punt the they send the punt up there a staffer sits there and waves a a giant broom in front of their face. They might throw a medicine ball at a giant medicine ball at their feet, but otherwise the returners catch the ball and then they cut and run against air. There's, we're not watching them do like full special team drills, at least not yet. So I can't, you know, I can't tell you about who's identifying the lanes and hitting the lanes best. Uh, Both Elijah Moore and Mike Carter look good fielding the punts, and I can see, and the rest of the way that they play, how they could be good punt returners. But we're not really seeing anything in camp that could lead you there. They're not actually doing like they're not even just doing like kind of walkthroughs where they set the whole thing up at that level yet.
1: Next question comes in from El Gringo. He says, Chris, this is the fourth head coach that you've covered during your time on the Jets beat. Rex Ryan, Todd Bowles, and Adam Gase being the other three. How do practices being run by Robert Sala compare to those other three coaches?
3: All right, well, part of, part of the change has nothing to do with Sala or the other coaches. Um, part of the change... Like my first year covering was the last year of two days. So that that's a huge change, you know. Um they've also gotten like and I think this is probably League Why like practices got a little more efficient. Um they're not quite as long. Um, but so there's a lot of little differences like that. I'll say, you know. It's def- the- definitely quieter. Uh, there's, there's not, like, there's no yelling from the coaching staff at all. Um, now, the coaches that we had, that the head coaches, you know, Rex wasn't really yelling and screaming, not out on the field. Uh, Bowles wasn't either, and neither was Case. But they all had people on their staff who would absolutely yell whether it's Westhoff, um, you know, whether it's Greg Williams, there, there's a lot less yelling. It's a lot more quiet. It's a lot more the coaches just going up and talking to the players man-to-man. Uh, man man. Um, but, yeah, there, it does seem to be – practice does seem to be a little more organized than with any of them. I'd say Bowles was probably number two organized there. Rex kind of liked to bounce around and mix things up, uh, play things by ear. Gase, it was just like, I didn't really understand the rhyme or reason to a lot of things he was doing. Everything seems to run really smoothly. I'm never seeing a player like going the wrong direction to get into uh, the next period they always know exactly where they're going, um, so I. It does feel like everybody is just more prepared every single day for what's going to transpire in practice here. But yeah, the, most of the biggest changes that I note that I notice in practice are just the way that we don't get to when when I first started. I used to when they do like one on one blocking. The offensive line does one on one blocking drills. I used to be able to stand five feet away from there and just like take pictures and videos and we can't do any of that. So um, most of the changes are is on like limitations and restrictions to what we can do as as media. But that's not due to the coaches. That's just an NFL and organization decision.
1: Next question comes in from G Tucker one, 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 one five. He says, Chris, I never hear your voice asking questions at press conferences. Did you get punished? Are they making you sit in the corner or am I just missing it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are not making me sit in the corner, but this is uh, ingrained on me since, you know, being in school is I typically do uh, go towards like a back corner seat. Um, the first couple of days at camp, I was doing that, uh, but now because we're doing the pressures outside in the patio, and Morristown Airport is right there, airplanes are flying over, and so the first couple of days I was doing that, and uh, I couldn't hear the. I could hear all the answers that the player or coaches were giving, but I couldn't necessarily hear the reporters asking the questions. So I just was like, yeah, I'm not answering any questions because uh I don't want to accidentally repeat what uh a, a similar question to what somebody else just said. Another part of the reason is I typically I just generally typically don't like to ask too many questions in press conference settings. J- usually if I have a question, it's about something specific that I want to write about and if I ask that question, then all of a sudden everybody's going to have the story for that. So I do typically try to, uh, ask questions, you know, off camera in a one, more one-on-one setting. And then also there's the way that reporters get kind of territorial about asking, like getting the first opportunities to ask questions. Yeah. I'm, I'm not concerned with that. Like if, if i I don't need to get my question in before everybody else and sometimes I'll be ready to ask a question and then somebody else um beats me to it and they ask a similar enough question that I don't need to go ahead and do it but um I I've asked a couple questions um but yeah right now i ha- I haven't asked too much I did I did move up since those first couple of days I moved up to the middle second row so I can hear everybody's uh questions but and then also there's there's some days like uh today it's Friday yeah Wednesday after practice I ha- I had to take a, a call for business afterwards after practice ended I just booked it and, and uh I just left practice to I skipped the interviews and I just waited for them to be sent out on video so sometimes that happens as well I if I don't have a, a pressing question that needs to be answered that day, Sometimes I'll just be like, all right, I'll just let them send me the video tr- transcript later and I'll work from there.
1: Chris Nimbley, the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal. Thank you so much for coming on and answering some training camp questions with me on this off day. Tomorrow, we've got the green and white scrimmage. Everybody really excited for that, so we'll have a full report tomorrow on that. Andy Vasquez from NorthJersey.com will join me. Chris will be back to answer more questions the day after that, though, because there's an off day coming up right after the green and white scrimmage. In the meantime, make sure you're following him on Twitter at cnimbly, and at Jets Insider, and read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com and read everything we're doing. Over at playlikeajet.com Check out our YouTube channel too Brand new video up from Luke Grant Breaking down why Carl Lawson has been Dominating in training camp so far And explaining why Carl Lawson will do the exact same thing Once the regular season starts And how he's going to be a monster In the Jeff Ulbrich, Robert Sala defense, check that out And all the other videos that we have up right now Watch them on our YouTube channel And subscribe, and give us a 5 star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you go ahead and do that for us we'd we'll be quite grateful for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play it's
0: time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash
2: That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. See website for
0: I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2.